Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, May 25th. On this week's episode, we're going to discuss midterm election results, ballot initiatives, and the emergence of Baker Curris in the Little Rock mayoral race. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Oh. So let's let's talk about those midterm results. Uh, big news, Clark Tucker uh, prevails in the 2nd District. Democratic primary. Come on, the Democratic Gazette said the big news was uh, Asa Hutchinson beating Jan Morgan. Well, she did get 30%. Yeah, they're 30% of Republican primary voters are nuts. What can I tell you? That's a, that's a reliable expectation. Well, anyway, 2nd District Congress uh, didn't have nearly the votes because the Democratic primary. I mean, I, although in the 2nd District, there are a lot of Democratic voters, or Pulaski County anyway. But he uh, he put to rest a narrative that I'd never put much stock in anyway, this notion that there's a split in the Democratic Party between establishment and more progressive types. I mean, Clark Tucker's 37 years old. He's not exactly an establishmentarian, and he's a pretty liberal guy, actually. I think check his voting record. But he put to rest the notion that somehow this would be an example of a battle for the soul of the Democratic Party. He got, what, 56 57% of the vote uh, district-wide handily beat uh, three other candidates, all of whom, good candidates, by the way, all very progressive and had a lot of good things to say. I think maybe the most interesting thing was is that Gwen Combs, who didn't have nearly the money or I thought the presence of Paul Spencer to name one, was a second-place finisher. I think if there's a message out of this year's primary, is being a woman is a good thing. Uh, Women did well in a lot of races, not just in Arkansas but across the country. Uh, I think a lot of people, women particularly, are tired of men and tired of the same old thing. But in this particular race, Clark Tucker just happens to be one of the most gifted politicians of the era. Uh, In another time, I think he'd be running for governor or U.S. senator, but these are not good times for Democrats. And so he's got his sights on a a, still a very tough race against U.S. Representative French Hill, who recognizes the toughness of the challenge Clark Tucker faces by going on the air with just a blitzkrieg of ads this week talking about Nancy Pelosi, who, by the way, Clark Tucker says he wouldn't back for continued leadership of the House should Democrats take it over. Now, does that really move people? I know that people hate You know, Pelosi, I, there, there is apparently a belief in Arkansas that it does. I mean, and I, I think, you know, I, I happen to think it represents just about everything that's wrong with the Republican Party, that you can't ever fail by appealing to misogyny and and and, and dislike of tough women. I mean, I, I think we've seen it time and time again, and this is another one of those cases. I mean, she's from California, and that's a code word for all of the hated values that supposedly so many in Arkansas hold dear. But the second district, here's the deal. Clark Tucker will carry Pulaski County. He will carry it big. He will beat French Hill like a drum in November in Pulaski County. The question is, is can he strike a chord that doesn't win White County, Faulkner County, and Saline County? That's not going to happen. But can he narrow the margin sufficiently, as Vic Snyder did when, when he was in Congress, to to give him a victory with Pulaski County? I, I think that'll be, a, that'll be a hard climb. But he'll have a lot of money. He's raised $600,000 pretty good for, for a Democratic candidate. Now, French Hill will have untold jillions and whatever dark money is necessary. But he's a guy who's gone down the line with Donald Trump uh, on a lot of policies that haven't been particularly good for working people. And if people begin to understand that things like the tax cut and 
and Medicaid and food stamp and other policies are really bad for people, and trade policy are bad for people, and bail and and giving all kinds of advantages to fat cat bankers are not necessarily good for little guys. Maybe Clark Tucker has a chance. Other big race uh, for state supreme court. Uh, Courtney Goodson uh, won a plurality of votes, but will go into a runoff with David Sterling. That was somewhat a surprise. This was interesting. Uh, she was defeated two years ago in a race for chief justice by a torrent of dark money that 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 took advantage of the fact that she had a wealthy boyfriend who gave her a lot of gifts and that kind of. I mean, again, this. I mean, I don't think it was necessarily particularly a good thing appearance-wise, but, I mean, after all, if you're fortunate enough to have a boyfriend who's rich, so why can't he give you good gifts? Well, in any event, that, that group came back to try and beat her. They're trying to elect David Sterling, who's a Christian, gun-toting Federalist and just couldn't be worse for the Arkansas Supreme Court. He'd be a disaster if he's elected. So they poured in their money to beat her, and, the, and in the end they decided they needed to spend some money also to beat Kenneth Hickson, who was kind of an establishment alternative to Courtney Goodson. The establishment supported Goodson in her first race for Supreme Court, but then she gave some decisions in some, in some tort cases that the Chamber of Commerce didn't like, so they'd soured on her and, and wanted to beat her. Uh, but guess what? She led the ticket. I don't think it hurt that Courtney Goodson is a woman. I would like to think some of this is a backlash to this dirty, dark money advertising, which is is misleading and unfair in most respects, and is tiresome, and it's it's really wrong to have anonymous sources trying to elect your Supreme Court justices. But I'm just not so sure it wasn't partly the fact that she's a woman. So and, uh, Bart Bearden won his. Oh right, and 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 that was a that was really my race of the night. Uh, Bart Verdon of Marlton, trial lawyer slipped into a court of appeal seat a couple of years ago thanks to Mike Maggio's undoing for for a felony bribery case. And uh, the Republican State Leadership Committee, which is not strictly speaking a dark money group, but you can't look up its donors in Arkansas, and they represent fat cat interests who use this PAC as as a way to get around individual campaign limits. Walmart, for example, gave them $100,000. They decided to try and beat Bart Verdon with a Republican from Mountain Home who would have been a reliable vote for their point of view. Courts of appeals are important to the business community in part because they hear a lot of workers' comp cases, for example. Well, uh, he won with 52% of the vote, partly because I think he was well-known in his end of the district around Conway County, Faulkner County, and Pope County. She carried the, the Republican Hill Country pretty handily. But a, a defeat for the the Republican outfit that spent to try and beat Bart Verdon spent double what he'd spent on his own campaign, and they lost. And for whatever the reason, again, I, I wish that was because people resisted the dark money advertising, but I think it's probably more due to the fact that Bart Verdon had an established name, and thank goodness they got beat for once. And so that's good news. However, that group and the Judicial Crisis Network are going to be spending untold sums of money to beat Courtney Goodson in the fall. Uh, however, they didn't help themselves by trashing Kenneth Hickson. He can't endorse in the race. But something like 70% of the voters went against the dark money. And so maybe if that repeats in the fall, she'll get reelected. Moving on to some legislative races, some might say that no one wins when Bob Ballinger and Brian King are facing off, but in this case, King lost. Well, King lost. King is probably the most disliked member of the Arkansas legislature. I, I, 
but in a funny way, and he's an ultra-conservative, and he was against Obamacare, and I don't know if he's ever been anything for much of anything I've been for, but uh, he did rail about the influence of special interests at the legislature, and he was right. He, he's tried to introduce some transparency legislation about the slimy business of legislators working as consultants and in other forms for people who have interest before the legislature. They don't call it lobbying. They claim to be doing serious work. He also wanted more disclosure about the, the people who get big Medicaid contracts, and we know in one case that was the source of a huge corruption scandal that's now led to federal charges against a bunch of legislators. He was right about that. Bob Ballinger's a much more likable guy, but he's a totally committed religious writer. He's been tied up with some nefarious forces, both in the medical marijuana campaign and some other issues. He's a, he's a staunch opponent of equal rights for for gay people. He's just a bad person politically, if not personally, but he won. He got 53% of the voters or so, and so Asa Hutchinson no longer has to worry about Brian King opposing him on Medicaid. And they also beat Linda Collins-Smith, too, another diehard right-winger. So James Starch won. Yeah, thanks to the Independence County vote. So and then that, a, that happened. A couple of uh, Little Rock races. Uh, Tippy McCullough prevailed over Ross Nolan and uh, raced for a seat that encompasses Hillcrest. And then I can't tell you how many people said that they thought the candidates were identically good. Yeah, Ross Nolan and Tippy McCullough, and that in the end, a lot of people decided to vote for Tippy because she was a woman. But in another reliably uh, liberal seat, this one, one that Clark Tucker's held, uh, Andrew Collins prevailed over Andy Depper. Yeah, and Andy Depper was a good candidate. I, I think Andy Collins enjoys family and name connections that go way back in that district. I think, I think she was an unknown. He was not an unknown. And then a few... Uh, uh, county races, Eric Higgins won the sheriff this, race. That was this, a surprise. This was a surprising thing. Uh, and and Eric Higgins' election as sheriff, because there isn't a Republican candidate, and uh, Terry Hollingsworth's victory in the Circuit County clerk race are very significant. These are both African-American candidates. Uh, there tends to be racially polarized voting in Arkansas, uh, blacks tend to vote for black candidates, and black candidates have a hard time breaking into the white vote. And so we elected two African Americans in those races. Uh, now, blacks are disproportionately represented in the Democratic primary, and an outcome like this, where there's movement to the Republican primary by voters, and if an African-American can win a Democratic primary because of racially identifiable voting but not necessarily be a very strong candidate, this could in the future open some doors for Republicans. But looking at some of the voting uh, by precinct on Tuesday night, I was interested to see how well both Higgins and Hollingsworth did in white voting precincts. This wasn't a product strictly of racially identifiable voting, which I was happy to see, by the way. I mean, I think they were both considered good candidates. They both brought resumes that suggested they were qualified for the job. Hollingsworth's victory in some ways was more interesting. Higgins had lined up quite a few supporters. He was a former assistant Little Rock police chief. Hollingsworth was running against Chris Crane, who was the son of the current county clerk, Larry Crane, and could have been thought to bring some name and connection 
to that race, but he was beaten soundly by Hollingsworth. All right, let's leave it there unless there's any other races that you want to talk about. I can't think of anything. Okay. Oh, well, I, I do want to congratulate Republican voters for defeating Trevor Drown in the primary for Secretary of State and choosing John Thurston instead. Trevor Down is just terrible. Yeah, well, and, and Thurston, as land commissioner, is certainly less high profile than state than Secretary of State, but if he acts the way he has as land commissioner, he will be sort of competent and keep his head down. Maybe so, and that's important because Secretary of State has a lot to say about voting, and Mark Martin was a disaster in that. But but I don't want to praise Thurston too much because there is a thoroughly competent, incredibly good Democratic candidate for that race, that's Susan true. Inman, that's true. who's been a p- election coordinator, elections chief in the Secretary of State's office, and on top of everything else is a nice person. She faces an uphill climb as a Democrat in today's climate. She is a woman, that's, and her competency also uh, recommends her too. All right, well, a quick break. Encourage you to enter our uh, Greatest Dog in Arkansas contest. In the summer, we will be crowning maybe the greatest dogs. There probably will be multiple. But if you will go to arctimes.com slash dog and enter, all you have to do is send a picture and then uh, a quick, I forget what it is, 300 words uh, maybe, up to 300 words on why your dog is the greatest in Arkansas, you will be eligible for consideration, and then the public will vote later on. So, submit your. Can dog. you give the award? Can you nominate posthumously? You know, somebody has already asked. <laughs> has us already about asked that. that. Yeah. All of my dogs are the greatest ever, except for one. Doggo was not so great, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we'll do that next. The greatest dog in heaven award. Queenie, my my childhood collie. So the Arkansas Supreme Court got Attorney General Leslie Rutledge's attention this week. With its order that she comply with the law and either certify proposed ballot initiatives or propose language more acceptable to her, she opted to certify a bunch. She finally surrendered, and David Couch deserves a trophy for finding that finding the wedge to finally make Leslie Rutledge do her job. Rather than go to circuit court, he filed a direct appeal to state court, saying she wasn't she was violating the Constitution and violating the law by not doing what the statute clearly says she should do, which is either certify an amendment or, or make it right. And uh, she had been she had blocked 70 of 70 requests for ballot initiatives. She just didn't want to let anything on the ballot, and it set herself up as the sole authority on who could get on the ballot and who could not, and the result was nobody could. Well, Couch went to the Supreme Court on behalf of a minimum wage uh, initiated act that's virtually identical to one that was put on the ballot four years ago and got approved by voters. It was nonsensical that she wouldn't approve it. Apparently the Supreme Court saw things the same way, and after being called down in a one-page order by the Supreme Court, not counting the two Republicans on the court, Rhonda Wood and Sean Womack, I should say, she said, okay, I'll I'll, I'll certify four of these, two casino, one uh, minimum wage, and one idea for a legislative redistricting commission. To, to draw up new legislative districts every 10 years. And so uh, already this weekend, you if you go to Riverfest, you'll see canvassers for the casino, one casino petition, the one that would uh, legalize casinos at Oakland and Southland and allow new casinos in Pope County and Jefferson County. That uh, amendment's going to be backed by the Cherokee and Quapaw tribes. Also, Southland and Oakland will, will be behind it. I.e., lots and lots of money. There'll be plenty of money. Uh, and significantly, the Cherokees, which had given $6 million 
to a Missouri group that tried to get on the ballot two years ago or with this amendment and not with the Missouri group, which also had a ballot title approved, but it remains to be seen if they've got any money to mount a petition drive. It's going to cost something like $8 a signature to put these on the ballot. That's five hundred to $600,000 to get the signatures alone and then millions in advertising to get them passed. But I think you have to like, if they get the signatures, I think you have to like the chances for the casino amendment this time, particularly because Southland and Oakland, which have been previously the big opponents, are on board. Uh, this will this will solidify their legal status. I mean, they have an iffy political status now because, in theory, lotteries are illegal in Arkansas, and clearly those are lotteries at Oakland. I don't care. They can call them games of skill all they want. A slot machine is a slot machine. But in addition to legalizing them forever and writing them into the Constitution, something that used to be thought of as a bad thing when they were opposing other people's amendments, uh, it legalizes sports bookmaking. Uh, thanks to a U.S. Supreme Court decision, there's the law in Arkansas that prohibits sports bookmaking is no longer applicable, and it specifically legalizes it in the context of casino gambling. That'll be just a windfall. For the, for the casinos to be able to operate bookie parlors. And uh, and the argument will be that uh, also it could be a windfall for, for tourism because some of the money from the new gambling is going to go to dog and horse purses. And there's some thought that the sellers down at Oakland Jockey Club really have an idea of, of running the late, racing season later than before, not starting as early in the winter, running later, having some high-dollar stakes races that could bring in huge crowds to watch the horses run, and so we'll hear some of that. They had to rewrite the amendment to stop having the money go to the highways for some technical reasons, and I think I think that hurts them a little bit. I think voters like to know that money from a new measure is dedicated, whether it's for schools or for scholarships or what have you. Now it will go to general revenue, and I, like anybody else, have my suspicions about whether we can trust the legislature to spend the money right. I think there's there'll be a big push in this legislature, greedy gusses that they are, to to use it for an income tax cut for rich people. Uh, we're we're spending, we're already beggaring public services already, and I think that's a terrible idea. But anyway, that's that's down the line. In in the meanwhile, petitions have been approved. Any of the other initiatives have money? Well, David Couch told me this afternoon that he'd had some good talks with people who might underwrite the minimum wage proposal. Uh, unions have backed that in the past. They have some treasuries. He said he has not given up yet on finding some support to put the legislative redistricting idea on the ballot, which would be really a great thing. I mean, that's how we, it would be. An in, some other states have done it. Iowa, for one. It's a fair and sensible way to do boundaries, to have these nonpartisan. There's some appointments by political people. Some are nonpartisan. And you get common sense, non-gerrymandered, rational districting proposals. But probably too good a form of government to happen in Arkansas, I'd guess. Okay. Lastly, former Little Rock School District Superintendent Baker Curris has said he will run for mayor. Well, he's been itching to get into public life for a long time. And I wrote a column, I guess, almost a year or so ago, right after he'd been fired as school superintendent, in which he talked about a potential for future public service. I mean, he really wants to serve. He's a guy with a ton of ideas. He's got ideas about making better use of the city budget and making decisions in a, in a more efficient way in city government. Uh, 
what does it mean in the race itself? Well, the immediate conventional wisdom is is it, that it's thought that it would cut into some of the base for Warwick Saban, the state representative who's been in the race for some months, raised a quarter of a million dollars already, and uh, has been campaigning vigorously just every, everywhere there's a, a, a ribbon cut. Warwick's been there shaking hands. Frank Scott, uh, the banker, is presumed to be less effective again because of this presumption about racially identifiable voting. He's an African-American. The thought is is he will have great popularity in that community, which constitutes about 40% of the city of Little Rock, but doesn't vote at that same level. Uh, we just have to see. I, I, you know, I, it, it certainly pretends a good and vigorous race between three candidates that are smart, dedicated, energetic, and with a lot of ideas. Baker's kind of interesting because he's he kind of has a background as a Rockefeller Republican. He was a top uh, business aide for Win Rockefeller's businesses and was an advisor to him on political matters as well. He's certainly from a progressive stripe in, in most ways, I think. I, I don't know how he identifies himself party-wise, but this is a nonpartisan race, so it doesn't really matter. But but he certainly has some roots in that in the Republican community as well as in the Democratic community. He made a lot of friends by the year he spent as school superintendent and being an outspoken opponent of the effort to, to charterize the Little Rock School District. Of course, there are a handful of people that won't like that aspect of him, but anybody who's watched him work with kids and what he tried to do in the school district have, have to appreciate what he did. And his own kids went to public schools, and, I mean, he walks the walk. I, and I'm, I happen to be an admirer of Baker Curse. We think anybody else going to get in? Well, now that Baker's in, I would think, you know, there's some talk about Lance Hines. He says no. You know, at one time, Dean Compuris clearly had some interest in getting in. but He told me no last week. Yeah, I don't think he will now, certainly. And so, I, I, you know, I don't – always chance. I mean, I, well, actually, I talked to Benny Johnson yesterday who right. is talking about running, and he asked me my thoughts, and I said, Benny, I'm not in the political consulting game, but I said I'd have to say your candidacy would be a long shot. But I said, you know, don't listen to me. I, I said sometimes people get in races and achieve things just by running. Uh, I mean, they, they, you know, Benny's issue is public safety and police department accountability, and he's an advocate for the – sometimes forgotten inner-city neighborhoods where most violent crime occurs. And, I mean, I can't see Benny as a manager of a, of a $300 million budget, but uh, he got a heart as big as all outdoors or at least as big as he is. All right, on that note, let's move on to endorsements. What do you got? Oh, man, I don't – I just don't – I don't – nothing. I got no, nothing. Me either. Okay. Let's, let's endorse going to the house. Well, let's go to the house and get a drink. All right. Have a good one. Subscribe via iTunes. Give us a rating and review and tell your friends. See you next week. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.